Lonely Monk Productions. I don't know if y'all have heard the album Teeth Marks by S.G. Goodman yet, but yo. That's my joy! joy. What's good, friends and family, neighbors, near and far? Welcome to an all-new episode of the Yo, That's My John podcast. The podcast, website, brand, movement, way of life dedicated to the embrace and championing of your passions. I am your host, Nate Runkle, a.k.a. I'm too lazy to insert a John pun here for this week. Guys, sorry, I apologize. A.k.a. Nate 3.0, back at it again with yet another episode of the podcast. As always, I hope this podcast finds you all in good health and in good spirits. On today's episode, I have an incredible conversation with Mariah Parker, who performs under the name Linka Franca. We talk about music and we talk about politics, but most importantly, we talk about how to find optimism for the future of this country. We talk about all of that, and that's coming up in a minute. But first, what's up, crew? Hope you're all having yourselves a powerful summer full of both maxing and relaxing. This summer has been absolutely wild for me, and it's only just begun, my friends. I got lots of stuff in the cooker, you know. More vague meals for that tummy of yours are baking, and I can't wait until I get to serve you some of this yummy, yummy surprise goodness. Yummy, yummy surprise goodness for that tummy. (laughs) Ah, but no, things are moving along. We've been having some discussions with a lot of great artists and creatives to be able to sit down with them and share with you a bit of their lives and their process. It's also very exciting to me. This is all I ever wanted was an outlet to be able to just sit down with people I respect and talk about the dope shit they create. Music and movies and art, both traditional and of the non-fungible variant. You know, having these conversations has recharged my love of art, and I wouldn't have the opportunity to do all of this if it weren't for people like you allowing me the chance to spend some time reverberating your eardrums. Is that how hearing works? I don't know. Don't come to me for factual analogies and metaphors. Look, all I'm saying is I love this community and I love this space that you have helped create. So thank you. But that being said, if you are new or you have very low frequent flyer miles on our airline and you want to find out more about me and this podcast, here are a few things you can do. One, subscribe to the podcast. Boom! You are now a member of our elite team. Squad goals complete. Two, follow us on the socials. Insta Twitter book, whichever it is, follow us at Yo That's My John. Let's establish a dope follow followed relationship, you know, with clearly defined boundaries, of course. Three, Take a gander at the website, www.yothatsmyjohn.com. We got links to all of the episodes of this here podcast. We got some articles I've written, as well as a link to our shop to be able to get yourself some sweet, sweet Yo That's My John branded t-shirts. Make it happen. All right. Enough with the shilling. Now, on with our show. My guest today is a rapper, linguist, and activist who performs under the moniker Linka Franca. 
Their latest album, Bell Ringer, which features guest spots from Jeff Rosenstock of Montreal, Kishibashi, Dope Knife, Wester Ruler, and the great Angela Davis, weaves a beautiful tapestry of hip-hop lyricism and neo-soul hooks to communicate and educate on a vast array of social issues, including police brutality, mental health, labor organizing, and prison reform, just to name a few. Not to mention, they are also the co-host of the popular iHeartRadio podcast, Waiting on Reparations. And beyond all of that, they are also a sitting athens Clark County commissioner. Folks, it is my honor to welcome to the show today, Mariah Parker. All right. Give it a few seconds. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am joined today by the great Mariah Parker, a.k.a. Link LaFranca. Thank you for joining me today on the show. 100%. It's a great honor, sir. So um, I, I got to tell you, I've been listening to Bell Ringer um, nonstop, and, and, and there's a, only one disappointing thing I have with it, and that is I, I ordered the vinyl, and I was hoping I was going to get it uh, by today because, like, this is, to me an album that needs to be listened to in its entirety. Um, it's just a fantastic piece of art. And um, I can't wait to talk to you a little bit more about this. But um, thank you so much for creating such awesome, awesome material. Thank you. I'm so sorry to let you down. I just got yeah. back from Portland. My life is um, very much up in the air, sometimes literally. Yeah, Before sure. Planes no. not, but, um, yeah, but yeah, I appreciate you appreciating it. Appreciate yeah. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Um, so tell these uh, good folk a little bit about um, yourself as a little child. Like, where did you grow up? Myself, a little child. I grew up in Louisville. Outside, I grew up outside of Louisville, Kentucky. Um, my mom was a gospel singer. She was in gospel trio with her uh, two older sisters. And so um, I got to be about like middle school. Uh, in the summertime, I would like go on tour with them. They, they would do they would seek backup for beach music bands on the Carolina coast. You know, like the Drifters and like, I don't know, kind of like kind of like Sam Cooke-esque. Yeah. Like vibe, you know, but special dances, they would like line dances and what's it? Couples dances they do. Anyway, so I'll ride around with them and sort of like in the backseat of the car, like t- learn to harmonize with them, you know, on the on and, and all that. And so that's sort of like my musical, somewhat a bit of my musical upbringing in addition to like, like, while all my kids were into like either like Lil Wayne or like My Chemical Romance, I was like, oh, that's cool, you guys. And I would go home and secretly listen to disco and like <laughs> Bootsy Collins and and like that was my that's what I would brush my teeth to in the morning. Like, yeah. So I was I've always been into very like old school, um, not even old school in the sense of like uh, like hip hop is like where old school hip hop sampled from. You know, what I mean, like all the way back to like the primary source documents. And so that's a lot of my upbringing. It's just like being around a lot of gospel music, being around a lot of classic soul and R&B. Um, sitting back, watching older brothers freestyle and be like, oh, well, you know, I'm this dirty kid that likes playing Harry Potter or whatever. And so, like, I was just, like, write. I, like, write rhymes in my notebook instead not really share them with anybody until I got older. Uh, but I was a prolific writer. Always wanted to be a writer. Never realized I would actually end up playing out writing, you know, being a hip-hop artist, among other ways that I would use words these days. But, um, yeah, it's all come full circle. I'm living my dream. That's I'm a it. Writer. That's it. And that's I always th- knew I would be. That's unbelievable. So like um, what, what were some, some of the like the earlier stuff you were writing when you when when you just kind of first started, like falling in love with putting that pen to paper? Or oh, whatnot? gosh, I would write everything. So I used to be real like I thought I was super clever where I would like read a book about some kids that like fell through a magic 
mirror and like fought dinosaurs. And then I was sitting, I like, I would come up with this brilliant idea about this story I was going to write about these kids that fell through a mirror and fought some dinosaurs. And it was original, completely 100% off the dome. I was sitting right and right and right. And so it was a lot of like just copying and pasting what I was reading. And I was a voracious reader. So like just re remixing, recycling ideas, somewhat perhaps as we do as hip hop artists with sampling. And you know, like, uh, who was it that said, uh, never mind. It's like a little boy quote talking about uh, Kanye about recycling, you know, I say it's inspiring. I don't remember what it was, but uh, yeah. yeah. So I did a little bit of that. Like right now I would write poetry and like for me, just like getting words down, it would literally wouldn't even matter what it is. If I wrote like a short story that like four paragraphs long and then there would be like four like empty lines at the bottom of the page, I'd be like, all right, I got to write a three line poem about something to fill up that extra like little space. And so I would, you know, I rem I distinctly remember writing a poem about like chains clanging. I don't even, what the, I, I was seven. I'd never heard chains clang. What does that even mean? But I needed to pull up the little piece of paper at the bottom because I'd written. So it's just like, just about volume, volumes of words, all kinds of genres, fiction, poetry, predominantly when I was young. And then, you know, I went off to college, studied uh, journalism, did a little bit of nonfiction, um, got really into teaching writing. I got, was a writing tutor in college. And so that's how I then decided to pursue higher education, higher than that education, you know, master's PhD, all that in, uh, teaching, uh, teaching writing. So like, ah, man, I love to write. I like, you know, I feel like I can, I can explain myself well, cause I use words well. And I realize there's so many people out there who like have a poor perception of themselves because they can't express their ideas well. They're brilliant, brilliant people. But if they can't write an essay well, or whatever it may be, or even write an email well, like, you know, they get, they get bad grades on their papers. People say they're not articulate, they get ignored. And so I'm like, I wanna share with people the power of like, of, uh, the empowerment of like speaking your ideas clearly and powerfully. So yeah, so I, you know, I studied writing, I did writing all my life, but now my whole thing is like, not only continuing to write, but like, how do I share, like, how do I help empower people to see their own brilliance and intelligence through like, yo, here's how to do words good. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's 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 really incredible. The the idea of communication and it's actually something and uh, I, I'm, I'm going to use a date and I'm not going to explain why I'm using that date. But somewhere around like um, the end of 2016, I came to realize that um, one of the big problems in this world is that people you know, and I don't want to say unintelligent people because it's not unintelligent people. It's just people cannot communicate exactly what they're thinking and what they're feeling clearly. So like everything yeah. gets muddled and especially in a kind of social media environment, clickbait and blah, 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 blah. Everything gets muddled into like this base kind of thing. But there's so much nuance out there. And 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 like. I feel like and it's one of the the great things I feel about music and, and poetry and literature is it's kind of like the the ability to translate that, you know, so like someone can read that but not be able to say it, but also be like this. This is what I think. This is what I've been saying. You know, that kind of um, awesomeness, which um, kind of uh, plays right into the where your stage name came from. Uh <laughs> Indeed, indeed, yeah. Uh, for the listeners who may not know, so I have a master's in linguistics, and so I, um, in my master's studies, I learned about lingua francas, which are languages that um, you use to communicate cross cultural boundaries. So, you know, internet, a lot of stuff is in English, people all over the world reading, typing English. Um, you know, the French colonized, colonized the shit out of Africa for a long time. French remains a lingua franca a lot of Africa just because like, you know, you might be from Benin or you might be from, um, I don't know, 
uh, Burkina Faso, but like it's a language that like y'all can use to communicate across tribes, across national boundaries. And so I'm like, yeah, I feel like hip hop like does that more than any other music ever has, right? And particularly, I was like, I want my music to do that even more than uh, like all other hip hop. My music be the lingua franca of you know you know in, you know of the people across national boundaries and also cultural boundaries of across like you know when I first started doing hip hop. I'm in Athens, Georgia, and everyone knows, like, oh, REM and, like, the drive-by truckers and uh, the B-52s, and, like, that's cool. But, like, we've had hip-hop here forever, but it's just not been centered in our, like, cultural spaces. Like, there's not been a place, a centralized space for us. And so to use hip-hop as this lingua franca that's like, all right, we're going to bring, we can finally get the, the punk rock and, like, the indie r- rock and the shoegaze and the trap people all in the room together and, like, realize there's nothing to be afraid of about each other um that you know hip-hop served as a lingua franca for some of that like cultural desegregation that happened in Athens so that's what I try to do with, yeah. with music and everything and everything so and you're, you're definitely doing it so you know you say you've written um since you were uh, tiny and that was all you wanted to do uh quest for knowledge same thing were, were you always curious were you always voraciously kind of- curious yeah. yeah so I was just up in Portland um playing a show and I uh Went to this place, Powell's House of Books, I think. And um, it was the first time I've been in a bookstore in so long. And it flashed me back to being like, yeah, being like nine years old. Sat One Saturday a month, my mom would just take me and drop me off at the Barnes & Noble in the strip mall. I would just hang out there by myself for like six hours. I would just sit there and read. I would hide in the corner and just read a whole book, hoping no one would catch me and force me to try to buy it or anything. I would like just marvel at all the different kinds of knowledge that was out there all the kinds of worlds that people are creating with fiction encyclopedias whatever i was just obsessed with books and you know and thusly knowledge so um yeah just i've always felt like a what's the word for it autodidact like i just love i love to learn i hate school love to learn i don't know why i stayed in school so long it was terrible but i got out that i'm free however i do love learning and i mostly when it's when it's self sought when you go out and just like for the love of knowledge itself just like go find it you know yeah yeah. well it's you know it's kind of that active versus passive nature of like Mm -hmm. i feel like school is so much just sitting and you're supposed to be a sponge and take it in and there's like not enough you know once you get into you know higher levels and stuff like that you find it but there's not you know early on like an ability to just kind of discuss and and just kind of live in that knowledge you know and yes. question things and you know it's like no, it's in the text so you got it wrong like you know, that kind of thing. right 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 you it's a b c or d pick one of those if it's yeah. not i don't care what you you what what else you know about this topic this is multiple choice what's up you didn't exactly. raise your hand so even though your answer's right you're kicked out of class like i actually my whole my whole phd dissertation was about how schools are like are sort of like part of the prison industrial complex. Like they make you, they tell you when you can pee, when you can't pee, if you can eat, if you can't eat, who you're allowed to talk to. They got cameras, they got cops, they can throw you out, all this stuff. And it sets people up to like go to actual jail. So it's like this little jail that makes you go to real jail um, if you don't play the play the game right. Um, and yeah, so no, ah, screw all that. Learning yeah. is wonderful, but schools themselves are terribly bleak places for a lot of people. Definitely, definitely. Um, so uh, how did you end up in Athens? Oh, how did I end up in Athens? How did I end up in Athens? <laughs> it amazes me to this day. I got back from, um, I taught English in Brazil uh, for a bit. You know, I was talking about using language and wanting to teach. So I, for, for a little bit, I thought I wanted to like do that, like internationally teach English as a foreign language. 
And, uh, but then I came back, I was living with my mom and I had some friends living in Athens, Georgia. I was like, you should come visit. I hadn't seen them in a bit. So I came down here to New Year's party, struck eyes with this, this like lanky, just pasty white boy with the piercing, piercing, icy blues and some champagne. I didn't kind of, you know, juicing up my, uh, I don't know, receptability for talking to some random stranger. Might happen to have fallen in love. I don't know. And then look, maybe I'm still here. Maybe I started sleeping on his friend's couch and got a job at a diner and like just didn't leave. Like, okay, so what about it? I'm still in Athens to this day. I got a job at the diner. I got a job at the print shop. Uh, I got into grad school. So that gave me a real reason to like stay, stay. I was like, oh, maybe I'll stay. Then I like got in grad school here. So then I've been here ever since. Yeah, I've been here uh, ever since. Wow. It's crazy. It's been almost a decade, but uh, I like it. It's good. That's wild. The um, did you? So I know that you were kind of principal and kind of you know um, bringing hip hop, you know, more into the scene down there. But um, what what was what did exist before it kind of um, before you found that space? And so I will say that I actually. So it seems, from my understanding of Athens hip hop history predating me, like what happened with me was a part of a wave, like a a wave that would like crest and fall, like, you know, rise and that. So like before me, like maybe 10 years before I came along, same kind of thing where like they were like muscling, elbowing their way into like the, to the, the music scene writ large to get shows downtown to have freestyle competitions and like b-boy contests, et cetera, um, in a place that was predominantly rock music. And But then all those people kind of like grew up and had kids and da 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 And then like, it's interesting. It's an interesting lesson in how like if you don't keep pushing the same structures that you're fighting against, like we'll just grow up again, like like weeds, like vines and like take back over what you tried so hard to to change. Right. And so like they all that whole generation sort of like faded back and it went back to the exact same way it was before rock bands. People of color didn't feel comfortable coming into these venues. Venue owners didn't want to have hip hop. So they're like, well, is there will there be a fight or something like are people going to spend? Do they have money to spend? like dumb, dumb shit. Right. So same started all over again, you know, started. I, I also worked as like a door person at a bar in my early Athens years. And so went to the new, like, yo, I want to have hip hop show. Uh, mostly cause I was just like, bro, I was on the edge. I was about to be like, I was about to piece off this mortal coil. And I was like, well, I might as well like make rap music. And like, if it makes me feel better then I get like, I'll live more. And <laughs> if not, then I guess I don't. So I was like, I'm a book a hip hop show. And then I got some, found some SoundCloud rappers from town that I like internet friends with and, you know, got them to play. Cause there wasn't a place for us. Like, it was like the internet is where all the hip hop cats like know each other or like these far flung, like, like venues on the outskirts of town that, you know, are for are for your kind and not for like regular musicians or whatever and so it just started to happen organically where i was like oh like this is not just me trying to like stay alive this is like something this is something that more than just me needs like i realized seeing all those people in that room together where like these these hip-hop cats who like grown up in athens like didn't even know each about each other's existence because like they'd never been in the same room like oh snap i thought i was the like hottest freestyle in town and now i just got my ass whooped like seeing like oh we all kind of needed this huh and like oh i gotta keep doing this um for not just not just me just like for the culture um and um 
And it's through continuing to do that that I then got linked up with the older generation who started to come back out again. They're like, oh, snap, hip hop's coming back. Like, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it is. Um, and learning more about how this has happened multiple times. And I feel like we are at a point now because um, I sort of got out of the hip hop like show promotion game, focusing more on the artistry. But like in helping establish more of the direct connections between other artists in the venues, as opposed to being a gatekeeper, like you take the gatekeeper away and then like, you know, you pull the plug on the whole thing. But instead, now there's actually these relationships between folks where it's kept going, you know, dipped a little bit in the pandemic, understandably. But like you can still catch a hip hop show in just about any venue in town, like, you know, a couple times a week. So that's dope. That's that's improvement. So I'm hoping maybe we've broken the cycle. Or yeah. maybe with time, if we're not careful, it'll just claw its way back again and get back to just de facto segregation. We'll see. Time will tell. I hope not. But. Yeah. Well, you know, it's like you said, like that momentum, like it's kind of like the old uh, moss can't grow on a rolling stone kind of concept. Right. Well, like, yes. you know, like it's got to, you know, movements kind of got to move to be able to, it's you know, and, yeah. and like and, and you know, um, uh, I've I it, you know I've seen it kind of myself like you know uh, I'm from the Philly area so like there would be these weird things where like I would go to like um uh, uh go to see like Questlove spin somewhere all right and like you know he would be spinning in these great spots and stuff like that but you could definitely tell that like he was because of the the roots kind of stature and stuff like that like the except you know it was like an it was accepted. a safe choice yeah right. like oh this will be oh, this one's fine yeah totally no and i absolutely i think lever some of my privilege is like you know i went to college you know i'm, I'm a fairly light-skinned person of like sneaking my way like trojan horse in the whole thing of being like i promise it'll be fine and then of course it was fine anyway because right like we, like hip hop is an amazing community and amazing culture. Um, but like it's got, yeah. And like before me, before I came along, there's this cat named this like white Eagle Scout looking ass, like bald Mr. Clean head ass dude that like was apparently one of the people that integrated in the music scenes. Cause like the hip hop cats would send him in and he'd be like, show up in his like, I don't know, blazer and be like, yo, we're going to book a hip hop show. And they're like, okay, fine. Like sometimes it does have to be like that. As long as you, as long as you are intentionally leaving the door, holding the door open for other people. Right. Exactly. There's definitely some cats out here, not to say Questlove, but I'd all be like this, you know. But um, those, you know, they're just like, all right, got mine, I'm out, I'm good. But it's like, nah, we gotta like hold that door open for people, any everywhere, whatever the door is. Yeah. Yeah. No, he then, and that's what I was gonna say is he was always very good at like being kind of the guy with the foot in the door, and then it was like, all right, now let's bring in like Freeway and Beanie Siegel, you know, like, and and you would get kind of a better diversity to the shows and expand mm -hmm. the culture or whatnot. Yeah. How, how did you um like what you know you said you were into like uh you know um kind of the old classics and stuff like that how did hip-hop enter your life what was your what was your entry drug it's so funny because it was such like an ambient presence in my early years that to this day like i'll hear a song i'm like i know this and i don't know who sang it and i don't know what year it came out but like it just formed like this like it's like the water through which i swam as a young person i feel like i became very like cognizant of like like hip hop that really spoke to me was like Lauren Hill uh, when I was a little bit like more well, much older, really. When I finally like truly it wasn't just like hip hop was happening to me, but like I wanted to like happen to hip hop, if that makes sense, is like uh, listening to like MF Doom and yeah. being like, oh, you can like rap about in like insane things like like there's there's nerdiness to hip hop. There's there's like all sorts of like uh, um, contours to it that isn't just like 
struggle or on the shit and like I never met you in my life I ain't never seen you before so um being like wow like really opening my eyes to like seeing I guess seeing myself in hip-hop more and not necessarily seeing my how I need to fit into a preconceived notion perhaps like mass produced by like the corporate moguls whatever of what hip-hop's supposed to be hip-hop's so multifaceted um and so yeah like MF Doom like you know like when I was in high school I don't know if I was dating myself in a weird way but like Lil Wayne was like very incredible to young folks, myself included. Um, and so I took a lot, I took a lot of inspiration from him when I was young, or a lot of inspiration from him when I was young. Um, and then there's also like on the visual side of things, like in addition to this like fire production and like needing a female role model, like watching like Missy Elliott's music videos have also been uh, the same thing with MF Doom of being like, oh, that's a, like finally I see a way to like be female in hip hop that like makes sense to me. And like, I can see myself there. I don't know, I try to pigeonhole myself into something that doesn't feel authentic to me. So yeah, those were some of the influences that were like very like, um, not just like, yeah, it was like the, the hip hop of the water through which I swam, but these were like the icebergs. I smashed my head on. I was like, oh snap, like water can be this too sick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, and, and, and that's one of the things like that I feel like and and uh, I always like to champion uh, tough causes and I feel like this is a tough cause. But I think people like when they talk about Wayne, they always talk about how strong of a, a rapper he was and like that that stretch from like Carter two to Carter three and like yeah, just mixtape yeah. wheezy. Right. But I think yeah. one of the most important things about little Wayne is the fact that like and it's stuff that he used to get clowned on was how he wanted to be something other than just little Wayne, essentially. You know, when he started skateboarding or when he did that right. rock album and stuff like he yeah. kind of gave a permission to a lot of people who didn't feel like they had a permission to be weird. And I think yeah. that's absolutely incredible. And it's a 100 percent. Yo, you know, I, I will always I hope I will always be a person that like even if I don't rock with something, I can recognize the brilliance yeah. and like recognize the hustle. And like, yeah, you could absolutely say that for like Lil Wayne's kind of like prime queen era or whatever. Yeah. It's like. That's not for me, but also like I'm glad you're doing that. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I feel like there's a lot of times where I hear music or see a film, I'm like, did not enjoy that, but I can tell that it was genius. Yeah. So I definitely recognize that about a lot of what he's done. I was like, that's weird, but thank you. Yeah. <laughs> like you legitimately, know, thank you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, like I, I had um the guys, uh, a few of the guys from the band Spy Mob. I'm not sure if you're familiar. They backed Pharrell and Chad okay. on the NERD project. Um, oh, uh, yeah. NERD, another example of like stand out, like, oh, snap. Like I, I could be, are you allowed? To, are you allowed to do that? And that and that's exactly what I was talking to them about was just how important the ability is to kind of uh, be on a main stage and say it's OK to be different. Like we are not like anything else you you have ever experienced, you know, and, and this is a pocket you can live in. And like that kind of stuff I find incredible. And and I'm, I'm not blowing smoke like I, I, there are similarities to that with how I find your music is that like it does kind of a, a, a bridge and and sit in a position that um doesn't really have a lot of contemporaries so to speak i mean like you have contemporaries don't get like i'm not i'm not saying you're you're the only person out there I doing hope so. it but... it's fucking lonely out here please tell me <laughs> <laughs> no, but like I, I think there's there's like a, a burgeoning scene of um, um, stuff that I feel like you kind of are a perfect example of, which is that, you know, hip hop 
can be something else. And it's like the next step. And like, you know, I, I one of the things I, you know, uh, a lot of, uh, you know, hip hop naysayers or whatnot, uh, whoever those people are, but whatever they like to say is like, oh, it's all about like guns and drugs and money and stuff like that. Right. And I'm like, look, man, hip hop is just in its like Beach Boys early beast or Beatles stage. Right. Like it, like yeah. the Beach Boys were all about cars and girls and ways. And that was it. And then one day, you know, Brian Wilson finds ecstasy or uh, LSD and he starts writing pet sounds. And then all of a sudden, yeah. like, you know, they're, they, they have lines that are like a uh, uh, columnated ruins domino, which is just like the most beautiful phrase beautiful. ever. Right. So beautiful. But, but you have to give someone the space to be able to create something like that. Exactly. It's like people are hitting on Tyler. You know, we had his whole Yonkers thing. It's like dark and gritty. And, and then he like, got well and like got his life right and had this more creative freedom more material freedom you know better resources and he started making like happier sweeter like cute cuter music and more touchy feeling people were like what's this it's like do you so you so oh so you just you want us to suffer like you are you want like you're like consuming suffering that's your relationship to hip-hop sick it's not really about like all the things that it means to be black it means to be you know like from these these local these geographies, you know, that help shape what our music sounds like. Yeah. So I, I think that is really interesting when like people, oh, hip hop is just this. And it's like the other thing to that is that I mean, I think that when I, I mentioned the, the slight jab at like the corporate influences, I definitely I mean, there's definitely a kind of hip hop that's incentivized. And sure. I don't get too conspiratorial in talking about why that is, but like um there's somebody who's like willing to back certain kinds of hip hop to sort of perpetuate you know, certain messages. So, and that then like people want to create those kinds of messages to get the money and goes on and on in circles. And so it's like, if we truly valued all the different kinds of ways of being black, you know, it's like one of the center ways of being in hip hop. um, Like if we actually value and put our money behind that, imagine how hip hop would change. But instead it's like, no, we want you, we want y'all to be this. So we're going to incentivize y'all to be this by only backing and like resourcing this kind of music to blow up huge um because that keeps y'all in your little like you know your little you know, i don't know a little pen little cage i don't know it's good i'm getting it's getting a little spicy over here but anyway no, so yeah. it's you're not wrong and like and again like this is one one of the things that i think i've found out in my old age that like scares me more than anything is like back in the day like early like when i was really getting into things I, you know i was like this is a conspiracy uh to keep people down which it is but it, it, it's even worse than that to me now as an adult. I'm like, oh, no, it's just all about money. It's all about keeping the money. It's and, nothing. And, yeah, it's nothing more grandiose than that. It's almost kind of sad. That's all it is. Like, oh, it's nothing yeah. supernatural. No. There's no kind of cults or like ceremonies. Go. It's just money. Ah, uh, Well, yeah, yeah. that makes sense, though. <laughs> And then it's then it just feels so gross. Like, like yeah. I just wish there was like evilness beyond like not that that's not evil, but like I wish there was like kind of the pure demonic sorcery and like, yeah, or something. Yeah. No, nah, it's just money. Yeah. Yeah. It's sad. Um, You, you know, uh, it, you are with uh, out of doubt. I, I, and I, I think I feel safe saying this, not knowing it about anybody else. But um, you are my um, first sitting um, public officer <laughs> on this podcast. Yeah. It's incredible. Um, tell me a little bit about how um, running for office came about. Well, yeah, so I was organizing these hip hop shows and um, through that meeting a lot of people and um, 
hearing a lot. I mean, like it's it's different when you start going because I didn't really go to live music growing up or anything. I, like I said, I was like swimming through hip hop, hearing our stories. But like to like you link like the story you hear told on stage to like you're having a drink with that person at the bar after and like hearing them elaborate on like when they were talking about like when they got locked up and they lost their kids and thinking all these things in terms of like ah this music that we're all making is like very much shaped by like other people's choices around what our lives have to be like so like all these things coming to see this like this is all a matter of public policy like it's great to do cultural change and like help integrate art scenes but like that guy wrote that song about like getting locked up because he didn't want to work at Wendy's anymore because that because of like a policy decision somebody made about his life that he had nothing to do with and so like just kind of partially feeling fed up with like all right I've done all I can through music alone to like try to fix some of these problems and being like all right like we have like a movement out here we like you know we got these the solid crew of folks you know 100 200 folks that come to these hip-hop shows um like let's put a, a, a voice for this movement in city hall so like all these stories we're telling are actually resonant and reflected in like the policies that are getting made they're gonna like shape our kids lives shape our lives like whether or not this cat's going back to jail for weed again or are we gonna legalize that shit like, you know these kinds of questions um and so I just jumped in there. Like I, uh, I first got involved with my friend. So the, the Eagle Scout white boy, he yeah. was running for office. He was <laughs> running for office. I met him at a hip hop show. He was like, yo, come work for my campaign. I was like, bet. So I went, I worked for his campaign. I was campaign manager. And then I was like, yo, I'm running. I'm going to run. I'm going to do it. Because he had been out, he'd been out the game for a minute. I was like, no, we need like that voice that's in the streets right now. So I, I was like, look, the guy who was my commissioner, was commissioned for 25 years. No one ever ran against him. Step down. Guy who was running to replace him, also running on a post. And I was just like, look, look, y'all. I'm, I, uh, what's it I say? Um, I was never the ideal candidate, but I'll die before I kneel candidly. So I was just like, I might as well, it's, it's only democracy if you have choices. So sure, I am all the things that I talk about in my album, as you are well aware of. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give people a choice. I'm going to give people a choice here. And I, uh, I ended up winning the election by 13 votes and then getting reelected um, 2020. I've been in here ever since. Uh, it's been a wild ride, but um, it's very much like I would not be in office right now if I weren't for hip hop. Learning yeah. how to be an organizer through hip hop shows, building a coalition through hip hop shows and identifying what the issues are in the community through listening like very closely to the music through these shows and being like, ah, I see how we've all been done wrong by these people that are making decisions for us <laughs> yeah yeah you know and it, it, it's 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 incredible you know like uh you, you know talking about kind of identifying what um where the struggle and where the conflict in hip-hop you know lyrics come from like what the seed is there um because like i think of things like you know everybody was when the when the auto industry like went down in the u.s everybody was like well it was these blown up union contracts and stuff like that well when you identify what the issue and why it was so bloated it was because of the health insurance policies that they gave mm -hmm. right so like the problem isn't the unions the problem is the health industry right like i, I wonder who who Braytel made us try to think it was the union it, Exactly. Exactly. Who wouldn't want us to know it was the health insurance? Hmm. And again, it's the you know, it's the money. You follow it's the, the money. money. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah so you know you know identifying those problems is incredible and like one of the things that i i then one of the reasons i'm very happy to be able to talk to you is um like i got to read about like you've made actual change like um tell them all about that that listen a little bit about the linen town um uh yeah situation because that's incredible Uh, and that's that's an example a perfect example of what we're talking about well thank you um it doesn't feel like much when you are like a radical i like i like i love to dream big i i throw i used to like oh i make hip-hop so i'm not gonna like you know off myself or whatever well i today like dreaming of the world we really deserve or like everyone has housing healthcare, like climate change ain't even like ain't no thing we chilling like we like you know Anyway, all of these things, like, it, it's really hard for me to, like, appreciate things that we did, like, Lennon Town. So I'm like, but I'm trying to get, I'm one, oh, sure. uh, you know, I want that bigger thing. But yeah, so, I mean, we've done some stuff that was pretty cool. The Lennon Town resolution was one thing that I worked on for about two years. Uh, we, were, we passed last year, which was I, the first act of reparations in the state of Georgia, not for slavery, but actually for urban renewal, which um, was a policy in the 1960s of, you know, these federal grants they put out to clear slums and turn them into like productive public projects. And so uh, oftentimes it's just destroying black neighborhoods in our case in Athens to build student dorms on for the University of Georgia. And so there are about 60 black families that lived in Linentown, um, you know, humble, but homeowning folks. They were janitors, you know, lunch ladies, what have you, you know, take trucks out to the countryside to pick cotton on the weekends. And it was decided that their neighborhood was to be burned to the ground to build these student dorms. And those those kids who watch the bulldozers pull up and honk in the night and watch their neighbors' houses get burned to the ground to like intimidate them into leaving, um, they're they're in their seventies now. They're still here. And so um, I met with some of them, some of them my neighbors. And so I like heard their stories about it and started organizing with them. I was like, all right, like. Let's get what y'all let's get what y'all lost because some of their families were torn apart by this. Like they went from owning homes to like split apart from their siblings and like across states and living in public housing. Like marriages fell apart, lost everything, not just the wealth, but just the social fabric of their lives as well. So um, so we fought for two years. We wrote we wrote up a list of demands. Um, we, uh, you know, things that the city had to apologize for, for our complicity and have making this happen and also like give the money back. Like it was recently calculated by a geographer at the university that they lost $5.4 million in generational wealth through, you know, being forced out of their homes. And, uh, those, those, if their house had still been there today, worth millions, millions sure. today. Yep. And so, you know, working, so. We finally passed the resolution in 2021, apologizing for what happened and also committing to uh, material redress. Now, in the state of Georgia, we can't just give them the money back straight away, but they now serve on a committee that decides how like a million dollars gets spent of city money every year, just based on like, you know, oh, we lost our chance to be like homeowners and accrue this generational wealth through home ownership, down payments for you know for houses for folks or whatever and so like boom like we're working on stuff like that last year they were like we want living wages for everyone that works for the government and we did it it was like all right whatever get whatever y'all say so um yeah it was cool it's cool and i think it ho- i hope it serves as a model because we have other neighborhoods this happened to that we haven't even done this process yet with yet uh there are neighborhoods all over the united states that had this right. happen to them and it's a lot easier 
to prove because like they, one of the arguments against reparations for slavery you hear like mitch mcconnell make is like well how do you know who should get the money it's like well if you're talking about urban renewal where these people are still alive uh, a lot of them uh like we have the documents of like where their houses were how much their houses were worth before you burn them to the ground like very easy to make that argument because like the paper trail is crystal clear so i, th- I think that this is a model that could 100 be replicated elsewhere and that's what's actually exciting to me about the linden town resolution it's not just what we did here because i'm always thinking to the next to the to the pond sky so i want to see this done everywhere i want to see people take this what we did here with the archival research and making the demands and the organizing and getting it done everywhere because there's an urban renewal project in every city period so yeah, yeah we did that that's cool reparations is cool the spark that ignites the flame like that's that's it that is it right there like that's that's like absolutely incredible and like you know like i said like it's 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 really cool that you know um you have not just kind of you know a lot of a lot of artists and this isn't to you know kind of denigrate other artists or anything like that a lot of artists don't put their feet or their you know the 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 muscle where their mouth is right and like you're not just saying something you're doing something and that's incredible to me well here's the thing we're going back to schools right i don't even blame i don't i don't blame a single rapper i blame schools because they don't teach you how to do this they teach you right is you go and vote every four years and then it's, it's okay. They might maybe like tell you about the three branches of government, but they don't teach you nothing about how to organize a, a protest. They don't teach you nothing about how to organize a general strike. And why is that? Oh, they don't, they didn't have time for that. Why not? Oh, cause if you actually got everyone to call out of work and shut the city down, they wouldn't like that very much. They will never, you know, the old meme says they'll never teach you what you need to know to overthrow them. Right. And so, like, it's really just we're bereft of, like, knowledge of how to do anything with the knowledge we do have. Like, you yeah. know, we know things are messed up, but, like, we no one ever, ever taught us how to, like, to, to, to galvanize, let that galvanize action. And, like, what kinds of action that can galvanize? We right. taught that the civil rights era is over and, like, racism ended and, like, Obama's president it was sick. And that's it. Because they don't want people out here. That, if they had rappers out here, like, really, like, on MLK level, like, uh, fucking shit up. Though their worst nightmare. So of course schools are terrible and not teaching us any of this stuff. So yeah, I mean, I, uh, yeah. So I would love to see more rappers get out there, but we got ways to go for that. Yeah. It, well, it's, it's funny because it's the, it's the, it's the quote unquote nightmare of, oh, you know, they're trying to indoctrinate people. And it's like, no, you know, uh, it, it's not indoctrinate or maybe, maybe like uh, this is, uh, I'm going to kind of, I told you earlier, tangents and side, Let's side go. roads and all. Yeah. Here it is. All right. I always say like, um, I don't understand why we back away from things like when everyone's like, uh, oh, Obama is a socialist or something like that. Like, cool, bet. I wish like fucking, like yeah, I don't know it. why. Wait, know. where? When? Show me where. Show I me heard, where he's a socialist. I missed that. I heard uh, someone. Breaking, back, yeah, exactly. I heard someone breaking down like um, uh, political ads uh, that they the, the right now. And it was like um, every single every single conservative person running is like, I'm a conservative. I'm the biggest conservative. I have no one's ever conservative like me. Here's how conservative I am. And every every single Democratic political ad at no point is like proudly like I'm a liberal and I believe in liberal ideas. Like it's just Yo, like pretending. Out, and then you got yeah, you got right wing people over here calling everybody a socialist calling like yeah. Joe Manchin a socialist or whatever. <laughs> and so like, 
I'm out here like I'm actually a socialist. And so I'm like, look, you can't run and like they gonna call you that anyway. So like, why are you so scared? I'm going to have to be as moderate as possible so that and like promise people absolutely nothing so that they can't call me a communist or whatever. They're going to call you that anyway. Right. Like stand for something. And like, I don't just, know, man, what are you scared of? <laughs> and not just that, they're not defining it correctly. So like you, none of these you, people even know what no. that even means, which is fine. I feel like I don't even know. I'm learning all the time. But like, it's ridiculous. We live in a fake. We live in a simulation, man. We, we absolutely do. And it's the worst one. I really wish I really wish we could get like don't a run reset. that shit back. DJ. Thank you. <laughs> yes, exactly. No, get me out of here, actually. Uh, would you please? <laughs> but um but so you, you know you're 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 um you, you make this move into into politics but then um can then you are just like oh i'm also going to release this brilliant album bell ringer so where did you find the time to do that uh. the pandemic really i mean like yeah. i continue, I, I mean like it was always an outlet for me especially once i was in office and like starting to get death threats and crazy stuff of just like processing all of that um and so i kept writing anyway and then definitely having a lot of downtime during the pandemic and also a lot to a lot of new stuff to process once more. Yeah. Of like watching people strike, uh, you know, and, and walk out because of like hazardous working conditions because of COVID and everything and being like, wow, that's dope. That's crazy. I never learned about that in school. Let me like write a rap song about it, wrap my head around what the hell's going on. Um, you know, just just reflecting on the world and needing something to do with it, not necessarily. You know, I study education. And so people are like, oh, you, you use hip hop to educate. It's like, well, not really. It's autodidactism in that, like, I process what's happening around me and teach myself, you know, through writing about it. And like, OK, now I understand what's happening. But then yeah. putting it back out there to people like, do with this what you will. Here's something I thought about. What do you think? Um, kind of kind of thing. So, like, yeah, I had it was really like the last year to 2021 just hit it real hard. Like I'm I've written all this stuff over 2020 2019 even i'm putting it out there i'm sick and tired i'm not taking it anymore i'm putting out an album uh because i've been you know and it's it bell ring came out it's been four years since my first album yeah so i just like i work really well with deadlines because i have been indoctrinated into schooling even though i hate schools i'm like oh what's the what word count are you looking for professor so i was like i need i like all right july 2020 album's gonna be done let's do it and um I, I needed to. I needed to for uh, just like you need to drink water, just like you need to eat vegetables. It just was good for my soul. And um, so when you ask, like, oh, how did you find time? Like, I could not have been doing politics had I not been writing hip hop to, like, stay sane through the, you know, insane voicemails and somebody's going to, like, throw bricks through my window and stuff, you know? So, um, yeah, I found, oh, there's there's always time. There's always yeah, time. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love it. Um, uh, I I, I got to kind of jump on something you just brought up there. Credible threats or like um, all you just... Know, well, not, I guess not in that nothing has ever happened. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but good. I have had like, I do have a very um, uh, fraught relationship with the police, but um, they have had to investigate a couple of things. Wow. And, uh, and recently, I mean, I've had like prowlers like at the house and stuff. So I have to like, in addition to like, you know, cops and stuff. I don't like getting them involved. I got, I got good neighbors, let's say that yeah. uh, stay strapped. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I'm joking about it. I think cause humor is a good way to like, just keep it light and process yep. and deal with it. Cause it is actually not that funny, but, um, but yeah, credible at times, but also a lot of 
a lot of non like a lot of just like the internet enables a lot of people to say just random shit because nobody because you know yeah nobody knows who you are and so that whatever that happens that still reminds me of like that the credibility of other threats could be coming yeah yeah well it's it's one of my biggest fears about the internet and has always been one of my biggest fears is like um, you can like, and, and it's, and it's the thing that drives me nuts about um, people who kind of fall back on using the first amendment as a crutch and whatnot is that um, the first amendment doesn't um, free you from accountability for your words. Um, yeah, you know, like, you, don't mean you don't have, yeah, come on. <laughs> And um, the Internet uh, making it so that no one is accountable, essentially, for their words um, is just like everything that's been happening. It's like seeing the code in the Matrix. Like, yeah, I could have told you this is where it ended. Like, yeah. You know, like, yeah, I see it in multiple ways. I see that like when I when stuff weird stuff starts happening with me, it's like, well, first, that's how the First Amendment actually works. There's a right. there's the consequences for the things you say. And you got to accept those consequences. You can't just willy nilly run around saying stuff and be like mad that people get to say stuff back to you. Like you would prefer them not to be mad on things, but like, okay. And then on the other side of things, like as a politician, like, look, when people are like protesting outside of Kavanaugh's house or whatever about the whole Roe v. Wade stuff and people are like, Oh, don't do that. I'm like, you're a politician. Like I, like I am, I also a politician. And like, I think that's completely fine. Like yeah. you should, that's, I mean, like it's, it, that is actually your first amendment, you know, that's like exactly you right. Be, you can't be running and hiding and expecting your station in office to like protect you from the people. I don't know. So yeah, it's, it's, but it is funny when people think that like, Oh, I, my, I deserve to, like the first amendment, the first amendment means I deserve to be heard. Yeah, and yeah, like yeah. the no consequence. I'm like, nah, son, zero. Yeah. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> I say I've been saying why shit all the time and I know there's consequences and I accept that because that's actually the first amendment. And it goes back to civics. Like we're not teaching oh, people civics, so they don't on. know. Like they're yeah. it's it's the same thing. Like, you know, if people don't truly understand their rights, you know, it doesn't just work on um not knowing when you're getting fucked, but also it, it you know, people use it and exploit it the other way. Like it's uh it's crazy. Well, look. It's like I said, I'm like I'm on the radical side of things. And I would say that, like, we really need to stop thinking about, like, freedoms to do. Well, like, OK, so like, free, like we think of freedom, we think of like freedom and own guns and say slurs like that's what people, you know, oh, I love my freedom. Like, I just want to go around saying the N word or whatever. Um, but like freedom, for, I think people should feel free from fear. Like, I think there's a lot of people that are afraid that they're going to be evicted next week. They're afraid of going to the doctor because they don't have enough money to like pay for, you know, diabetes medication. There are people that are afraid of crime because they live in poor neighborhoods where crime is rampant. They live in nice neighborhoods and they fear of crime because there is poverty that drives crime that might force someone to come break in and steal their 72 inch flat screen. And so like we're all like if we can all be free of fear, if we can if like if like crazy white ring right wing folks don't have to be afraid of trans people. They, they, they're no longer afraid of immigrants. Like that's the kind of freedom that the, that I want people to actually have. And like, sure, it's not in the Constitution. Maybe you have to throw that out, start over. But um, if we start thinking of freedom more expansively than just like the right has totally stolen freedom and run with it and like are killing the game. But if we start talking about like, we, like you don't have to be afraid. We can be free from fear by like get, making people, making sure people have their basic needs met and making sure people aren't scared of each other. You know, you yeah. gotta be scared of somebody just because they're from Honduras. Like what? 
So yeah, we got to be free from fear. We're working on it though. We're working on Do, it. And and it's it's so it's so um poignant too because like uh and this was again i can't really remember actually you know what this one actually goes back then further than 2016 it goes around um i don't know somewhere like late 2008 i can't remember what changed then but something happened yeah. and um and i and i noticed something but Very like dry um, autumn yeah i don't know the leaves <laughs> fell late i think that's what it was um, yeah go on but uh but you know watching like tea party rallies and stuff like that right and yeah. knowing that you know that was only going to get worse and it did uh, much worse than i ever expected but <laughs> but hey they did it um but uh job, but, <laughs> yeah great um but one of the things that that kind of I found comfort in, which is weird, um, is watching like people talk at, at, at kind of those rallies and stuff. And I'm not talking about the speakers, the people, the bullshitters and, and stuff like that. But the actual people on the ground who are just there, um, you know, who I actually don't hold ill will to. They've just been lied to and sold a bag of goods. All right. So like and, and I know they're and it goes to your point, just scared. They're just they're afraid of, you know, things they don't have to be afraid of. Right. So, like, one of the things that brought me comfort is whenever you watch these people be interviewed and say really awful, incredibly horrible things, um, put it on mute and just mouth along to it. I'm scared. And it's like. It's like real no, I mean like it I've I've gotten a lot of empathy out of it. Like just watching people like you wow. know froth, just essentially screaming, I'm scared. And like it makes you go, yeah. Oh my god, well what can you know, like if fighting with you is just going to scare you more. So how do I love you and show you that you're not yes, scared? That's right? what I'm talking about. Yes, that radical yeah. Loving people through the discomfort of yeah, I don't know. I feel that so much. I, I right after I got elected, I got a, a tattoo on my my right arm that says no enemy but apathy. And it's to remind me that like I don't have any enemies out here at all. Like even people who like I am opposed to dia like diametrically on terms of like ideals, like my real enemy out here is the apathy in our communities because like think for example the fact that like half of people didn't even vote in the 2020 election so that means there's like half of the country that like just doesn't even is not even pay like pay attention not even nothing's going on and so if we beat apathy then we can do anything i ain't gotta go over here and beat ted cruz bye ted i hope you have a great time in mexico but like i just gotta get out here and like connect with the folks that just aren't engaged that aren't on left or right and they're not red or blue they just people out here who are being impacted by decisions. And so, yeah, a part of that being that that's the kind of like how my that what you said about that, that loving people like through stuff. It's like, I'm not going to waste my time coming to 10. I'm gonna like, just I'm gonna love you, brother. Just come back when you're ready. And yeah. like the people who are readier to like for, for the, the like the love of coalition building, the love of like, yo, let's fight for our liberation together. Like, let's start there. But love, yeah. yeah, no, like these people are just scared, you know. I'm, I ain't trying to hate somebody just because they're, they're scared. They're scared. Scared, yeah. you know why? Scared because they're gonna lose their money. Uh, <laughs> it, that's it's true. It's all about that's, the money. <laughs> it's true. And, but but ninety eight percent of the people who are scared they're gonna lose their money aren't going to lose their money. They'll probably get money. Like that's the worst part Either, about yeah, it. Yeah, or they don't have any money in the first place and think right. they do. Like people yeah. don't actually know what it means to be rich in this country at all. 
No, at no, all. People, people tend to people tend to vote or uh, that I've noticed that I've had conversations with and like friends and family. Right. Like vote like that. Um, well, you don't understand. I'm going to be a millionaire tomorrow. And when I am, I don't want to get right. screwed by that. I don't want to get taxed. Yeah. And it's <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. It's like, again, it's not you, dude. And even when it is you, if it is you, that's still not a lot of money. Um, You know, (laughs) that comes back to the thing about love. Right. Because like you might see somebody with like a like a really nice house and a nice car. Like, oh, fuck that guy because he's got nice (laughs) shit. But like y'all are way like if I'm sleeping on the street, I look up, see that guy in this nice and this is driving by his Mercedes. um, We're a lot more in common than either of us is with like Elon Musk. Right. Like, you know, so we hate each other. We fight each other when it's like, no, we like I, if we love each other and see that we have a lot more in common than the people that are actually screwing us. Like it's game over for the people that are screwing us, man. Like done. Yeah. But, but instead we fight each other. You know, we fight. We're like, oh, I'm going to be a billionaire tomorrow. So I don't I, I don't want, you know, more taxes and da 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 when it's like. And we all on the same team, though. We all on That's the same right. team. That's you right. Know? Do you know what? And, and literally all we need is like something along the lines of like a lingua franca uh, to be able to sort of like, yes. Ah, if right? only there was some genre of music that communicated <laughs> across all kinds of cultural boundaries, I guess we'll never know. Well, yeah. okay. It's awesome. Okay. It's so okay. awesome. Hey, do you want to go through this questionnaire? This um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thing? Hit me. What's good? Yeah, let's go. All right. So it's it's two segments. Uh, one hit wonders and top ten countdown. One hit wonders. You're just picking one or the other. Um. So okay. here we go. Number one, Billy Joel or Elton John? Ooh, Elton John. Just because I can picture him in his like sparkly outfit. I love it. Not, I love not it. at all on the musical quality. Just like the star shaped sunglasses and the rhinestones. Ugh, oh, all day. Nice. Very nice. Uh, The next one, Debbie Harry or Joan Jett? Um, Joan Jett only because I I recognize that name more. (laughs) Oh, nice. Nice. Uh, I don't know. Wait, what? Who are they? (laughs) Debbie Harry is the uh, the lead singer of Blondie. Oh, okay. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hello, the glass. Is that them? Yep, that's them. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Wait. So that's Joe. Debbie? Joe. Yeah, Debbie Harry is is Bl- is from Blondie. Joe. I like Jett- she, I pick her. Okay, I like yeah. it. Change Perfect. my vote. Perfect. Uh, next one: Aretha Franklin or Tina Turner? <sighs> that's just rude. Oh, that's so rude. <laughs> Blame Beyonce. Beyonce. Think, it's okay, Beyonce's okay. fault. Beyonce. <laughs> uh, did you hear me? Like, I just I didn't hear that. <laughs> brain fart or something. I just, we'll cut it out of the episode. Fine. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, I, uh, Aretha. I grew up yeah. listening to Aretha more. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense, especially with the the gospel. Like, definitely. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I mean, like, if there is a voice from God, I hope it sounds like Aretha Franklin. Like, yes. Uh, uh, this this one, uh, Nirvana or Pearl Jam? Are you? Uh, do you have? Nirvana, do you have a rock background? I, I guess I, do should I have a rock background. Yeah. Um. No. I mean, some again, autodidactism. I lived yeah. in the era of like LimeWire as early internet user, and so like I just discovered all kinds of music. So yes, I did listen to some Nirvana. Um. And so yeah, but not the other one. No. <laughs> yeah. uh, what'd you say it was a dead press no uh, wait, pearl, but, uh, pearl, jam. pearl jam pearl jam i don't know what yeah. that is yeah no nirvana though heard of those guys yeah yeah i dig it and they I were from it. portland right or he was from seattle uh from seattle yes okay, they, both are. they both are seattle i just seattle. tried to play a show in seattle on thursday and i say try because the plumbing went out in the venue 10 minutes before my set started and 
they could no longer have anyone in the building because it's a code violation. <laughs> wow. Canceled. Yeah, dude. I've never seen that happen before. It's wild. That's wild. Funny. We went to um, we I went to a show once and someone pulled the fire alarm. And because like they had to do a full inspection of the building, you can't um come back in. And uh, I, the band, it was I don't, I don't know if you know this band Goldfinger. They were like a yeah ska band back in the day yeah. but um they um they ended up setting up like acoustic guitars out at their bus and just invited everybody to stand around the bus and listen oh, to them play acoustic. So it was cute. without a doubt one of the coolest things i've ever seen in my life like it was just perfect oh it's so cute you yeah. know what's funny after the seattle show because it's like a it's one of those venues with multiple venues inside it's got like multiple floors and stages and so another one of the bands that was playing at a different show went and did that they stole i was gonna go out there and do that but they uh, took up uh, they were too they were Loud, everyone was always standing around. I was like, Mah. I was all grumpy and I went home. <laughs> Beat you to it. Beat you, you to it. it. Uh, next one, uh, Janis Joplin or Stevie Nicks? Oof, that's hard, but Janis Joplin's cover of Summertime is the, one of the most haunting uh, songs. I love it. I love it. That's got to be Janis Joplin for that. Yeah. Um, This is the the big cliche one added because everybody has to be asked Beatles or the Stones? The Stones, the Beatles. I feel like it's such a basic bitch answer, but yeah. <laughs> it's all I right. love it. I like the Rolling Stones too. Don't get me wrong, but like, I don't know, man. Yeah. I loved Yellow Submarine, the film. The movie? Uh, oh, yeah. As a child. Yeah. So uh, it's that's a, a very trippy, trippy cartoon. I like that. Oh, yeah. I like that. That explains a lot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can see it. Um, the last one of these, well, the standard last one of these, but I actually have two more for you that I'm going to throw okay. in there. So, um, but the last one of these, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody or Stairway to Heaven? I seen this little weather of a man. Garamooch, Garamooch. Yeah, come on, man. Bohemian Rhapsody all day. It's a, yeah, that's it's an easy one. Um, so I, I asked um, my last guest, um, Andy Hurwitz, this for the first time. And I think it's one of the ones that I'm, I'm like playtesting about putting in this thing. But um, uh, uh, Tribe Called Quest or De La Soul? Um, I was already mad that you were going to ask me any like as soon as you said, I was just like, this, this is rude. This is another rude question. <laughs> um, so, OK, Tribe Called Quest, De La Soul. So I had the opportunity to do cover shows of both of these artists previously. Um, and they were both super fun. I feel like well, it's, this is weird. So while I'm a bigger Tribe Called Tri Quest fan, the memories of getting to um, perform Three Feet High and Rising um, are so special to me that actually I'm going to go with De La Soul on this one. Okay. All yeah. right. All right. So see, there we go. Like, I think that's a great question. Like, I, I, I yeah. you know, I've been trying to find ones to kind of replace some of these, you know, some of these questions like these aren't even the original ones I started with because um, but like there were certain ones, certain categories where everybody was just picking the one person over the other, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody and Stairway to Heaven. I don't know that anybody's picked Stairway to Heaven yet. So like that's got to go. It's obviously not a good one. But De La versus versus Tribe, like my my gut reaction, I want to say Tribe. But then like I think about I think about like just how important De La was to me in finding like hip hop again. Like, because, yeah, you know, when yeah. I was a when I was a kid, like it was like, you know, Run DMC, the Beastie Boys, LL Cool J, the Fat Boys. Yeah, yeah. Like this is like that was like my base. And then I like kind of, you know, started listening to weird novelty songs and stuff like that as a kid. And then like, you know, uh, I heard like uh, it, it wasn't even me, myself and I. It was uh, the three is a magic number. And I was just like, yeah. oh, oh, my God, God. That's so funny, because that's exactly what's been playing in my head this entire portion of the conversation. <laughs> oh, yeah. man. Dun, dun. oh, my God. Blew yeah. me away, oh, man. That it's changed. so yeah. 
it just, again shows you a different facet of what hip hop can sound like and be. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the last one, this one is actually one of the original ones that I took out. But um, I feel like I, I, I am really curious um, because you are an MC and you are in politics. Um, Biggie or Tupac? Tupac. Yeah. I mean, like that we got money for war, but we can't feed the poor. Such a timeless, like just like marching order in terms of how to fix this, you know, fix this mess we're in. Also, his mom, his his godmother was a was um, what's her name? Asada Shakur. Asada Shakur. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was like, uh, he like attended meetings of like the Young Communist League when he lived in Maryland and shit. I don't know, boy. Uh, all all this to say, his like radical bona fides are somewhat, I think, a little more pronounced than Biggie, yeah. though. If we're, I don't know if we're just going off artistry alone, but I right. think I got a little bit more in common with Tupac. I, uh, I, I could assume I just didn't want to I didn't want to make that assumption myself, but I, I kind of saw that coming. I kind of saw that coming. <laughs> uh, the last section is the top 10 countdown. Um, these are just um, kind of favorites and stuff like that. So like okay. I like I said to you before, you can it, you can make it about music or you can make it about whatever you want it to be on some of these. Whenever I use the word John, because we use it for whatever it, it can be, whatever you want. Um, the first one, what was your first John? What was the first thing you were obsessed with when you were younger? First thing I was obsessed with when I was younger. Uh, <laughs> so many random things are popping my head. Animal cruelty. <laughs> yeah. Which sounds messed up. You know those like late night commercials where they show you like the puppies in the cages and be like, donate a dollar a day or or or, or sparkles dies. Yeah. yeah. Well, that, that shit was like hurt me in my heart deep. And so like I was there like before I was into any other form of advocacy, advo- activism, advocacy. Yeah. Uh, I was like for the animals, man. I would, I would, I would pick it in front of KFC. (laughs) That's beautiful. When I was like 11, just like free the chickens. So yeah, I don't know. I was first obsession, freeing the, freeing the chickens, man. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Number two, what's your current John? What are you into right now? My current John. (laughs) It's funny because now I got to, this is not at all like chickens or is it? (laughs) But no, my current John is Tobe and Guegue. Oh, yeah. What well, um, I'm not yeah. familiar. What, oh, oh, so he's a uh, Nigerian-American rapper from Michigan that just rap like just raps about how much he loves his wife and his wife is a rapper and raps about how much she loves him. But they're just awesome. like super crunk about it. They're just so crunk about their marriage. And there's like a ton of like flute and screaming and all of the all, it's, all of the music videos are like monochromatic, like pastel green yeah dude oh yeah um so good speaking of flutes the flute intro to oh fuck (laughs) come on man (laughs) ain't no flute gone that hard since jethro tall oh my god yes oh so good so good i don't even know who jethro tall is somebody just told me that i thought it was a nice compliment (laughs) that's awesome that's awesome. Um, that was uh, one of one of my um, first concerts I went to was just oh, right. it was like the third concert I think I went to, which is uh, number three. What was your first concert? What was the first concert? You my went? first concert was Alicia Keys. Mm. I got so excited. I fainted. Yeah. Sure do, you, do you do you stay uh, an Alicia fan? Or are you still? Uh... Yeah. OK. No. Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> I'm really bad. At, I mean, like I wouldn't even apply this to her because I was like. 13 at the time but yeah. like i'm really bad about like not keeping up with artists that i love it's weird like i'll know i'll know that like mick jenkins has a new album out for like six months and i won't even listen to it i don't know mm. why 
I, I'm uh-huh. still going through his old shit. I'm busy. I'll come come back when I'm ready. Also, also oh, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I didn't even know Alicia Keys had new shit, frankly. Yeah. So, so you're you're doing stuff. So like you've got things to do. Um, number four, what was the last concert you went to? Oh, I, I can't believe I couldn't remember this. I, I actually went and saw Hooray for the Riff Raff in Atlanta yes. last week. Yeah. She's dope as hell. Again, politics is good. She got the song about abolishing ice, which I'm very into. And, um, you know, as a vocalist, I like studying other vocalists. I think she's got, she does cool things with her voice that are very like, like simple, but elegant. And so I, I'm a student of hers, but yeah, that, that was cool. That was cool. That's excellent. They were opening, they were opening for bright eyes though. And we totally 100% oh, no. left before that shit. Cause I was like, nah, man, I, that's where I draw the line. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's was where this- I draw the line though. I, this, I guess, was before um, he just didn't show up to that show or left or whatever happened. Oh, no. Was... So that's part of why we didn't stay, because I heard Uh-oh. about that. And I was like, mm. and plus, nah, just yeah, nah. So yeah. wait, OK, I could I would love I'll Google it. I want to see what else has happened on his. his oh, uh, yeah, it's a good question. Escapades. I don't know. I heard it's been a shit show, but hope yeah. you know. OK, Connor. <laughs> yeah. Um, number five. What was your favorite concert? What was the best show you ever went to? Man, best show I ever went to is probably seeing Parliament Funkadelic with my whole family. <laughs> yes. In 2016. Yeah. That's awesome. That was beautiful. Yeah. And you I know, just seen most stuff at the same venue like three days before. Wow. Uh, That's a good story. Week. San Diego. Great spot. But yeah, no, seeing P Funk and them uh, with my entire, my dad, my mom, my brothers, their wives. It was, yeah. The um that have you gotten to listen to that new Black Star album at all? It's it's incredible. the second person to bring it up to me, and I am again very ashamed that I have not. This is a this is a recurrent pattern of mine. I just don't. <laughs> I like love an artist dearly, and I'm just refuse to listen to their new work because I'm tired or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I know. Well, I yeah, it. your thoughts? What do you think? You like it? I do. I like it a lot. Um, I I will say that um, I, I've heard I, yeah, kind of like mixed things somewhat. Yeah, like. Um, so like just as just as a base reference, like um, respiration is um, what I believe the perfect hip hop song ever written sounds like. Yeah, um, fair, it's fair. just like it's got everything I ever want in a hip hop song. Right. Um, yeah. But um, so like so that's where I'm coming from. So like um, it's good. But um, I think I've listened to it twice and I really probably couldn't tell you which track stands out to me. Like, it's just it's sonically like pleasing and it's very like I yeah. did. But it's not yeah. like there's no respiration on it. It's, I guess. Fair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's funny how I've had a lot of favorite albums like that in the last year or so where it's like I loved the album. None of the songs stood out to me in particular, but as a piece of art altogether, throw that shit on in the background while you clean the house. Yep. Great. Yep. So, yeah, interesting. So I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing it, even if yeah. I'm just, like I foresee that may be my reaction as well. I'm just like yeah. good mopping music. And all, and also and no disrespect to him, I kind of um, I have like a love hate relationship with with Quali at this point. So like it's like, um, <laughs> yeah, that's a whole nother episode. We can, <laughs> exactly. So it's kind of hard to enjoy at points. But, yeah. you know, what can you bad. do? Uh, number five uh, who have you never seen live that you wish you would have they can be living or dead Nina Simone oh yes oh yes have you seen Summer of Soul Oof. oh my god that oh, movie god. that movie did, like tore my soul apart oh, to be honest like, sobbed, dude damn yeah, yeah. No, Nina Simone hands down yeah the um the uh yeah that movie was the first movie I went to see 
um, back in a theater post pandemic. And um, um, I was like in the theater in tears. And I can't tell if it was just like the emotion of like, oh, my God, am I going to die being here? But uh, but it was also like just like the entire uh, midsection, the the uh, MLK tribute in in the middle with like Mavis Staples and Mahalia. Oh, my God. Like. Uh, yeah ugly crying i was ugly, ugly crying, crying. Oh, especially geez. when you when you realize like like how close to his assassination that was like it's just that yeah. that that wound is fresh and like yeah. it's just that is a powerful scene and i'm so so happy that like quest love kind of um brought that out and let let people see it. And like, you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you, like the thing I love about that film and not just as a, a musician or a lover of music is just like the joy. Like it's just like everybody is just so happy. And like that presentation of joy, especially from that time period, especially with everything that was going on to show that like, hey, look, we can persevere and we can like uh, we, you know, we can love and have good times. It doesn't always have to be pain. Like, um, yes, it's so important to remember. Yeah. Yeah. Love that movie. Beautiful. 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 Uh, number seven, name an unappreciated, John. What's something you wish had a little more shine to it? I wish people really appreciated the criticality of staying hydrated. Yeah. How, much water, how much water have you had today, sir? Not enough. You sound sir, like my what? you sound like my girlfriend. She is she is a, her and her entire family. They go through like Nalgene after Nalgene of water every day. They are properly hydrated and I just pale in comparison. Bro, it's everything. You're like, I, I'm, oh, I'm tired. I got a headache. My joints ache. Nah, like whatever problem you have and just try drinking some water first. It's it's amazing. Feel yeah. so much better, so different. I'm a whole different person when I'm hydrated. It's wonderful. All right, all right. Yeah, so, she, well, I'll tell you what. You just added yourself another fan because once she hears that, she's gonna be like, "See, we." Hey, oh yeah, <laughs> I need to write. I need to write an anthem about uh, hydration. <laughs> hydration. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Number one download. Uh, number yeah. eight. What's your favorite album? Favorite album. That's an interesting question because it's like of all time or. Right you now, can, or you can make it be whatever you want it to be. This show is as much yours as it is mine. Favorite album, my favorite album. I gotta say, probably The Impossible Kid by Aesop Rock. Yeah, wow, um, good one. Because, like, again, another piece of, of, of uh, like hip hop artistry that like really gave me permission to just feel a lot of stuff and be a weirdo really inspired me to like really that came out around the same time I started like you know performing a lot and I was like yeah I don't know inspired me a lot in that respect also my son's name is Aesop <laughs> no just apropos of nothing yeah. uh, you know it's, it's a little impossible kid it's a little impossible kid so it's not even I would haven't even listened to the album in like a long time so that's why I was like my favorite album of when that album I will say will always hold a special place in my heart let's say it might not even be the best album but just like for me Particularly, how a special place in my heart. So. Perfect answer. That is that is exactly what I want as an answer to that question. So thank you. Um, number nine, name an artist whose output you'll consume anything they release. Well, it, immediately, or is it, if it if it takes me a minute, is that okay too? Sure. No. Yeah. I think I think oh, that's got to be no name for me. Yeah. I'm yeah. Fine. I'm fiending for the next note. Factory baby, she's been sitting on that ship too long. I'm mad at her. I love it. That's me until the minute that album drops. 
And then I'm a weird number one fan. <laughs> oh, yeah. She's, yeah. She's, uh, I'm very excited to see what her next, how, like, whether and how her next musical moves, moves reflect her, like, evolving politics. So, yeah, that'll be really interesting. I've, but I've also, I've, she, she just does it unlike anyone else, period. So, I don't know. Yeah. I'll whatever she's doing. I love it. I love it. The 10th and final one of the top 10 countdown. What's your favorite John of all time? Again, can be anything you want it to be. Uh, my favorite John of all time is being horizontal, being on a bed, being on a couch, being on a beach, laying Perfect. face down in the grass. Horizontality is the, is the John. That's awesome. That is an awesome answer. So here's my big question for you. Um, you know, and and I um um I, I I look to you as someone who I admire, um, uh, both musically and um in life. Like I just think you are exactly what people should be and strive to be. So here's my question: Are you optimistic? Do you think things will get better? Because it's it feels dark, doesn't it? <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Um. So, yes, I do feel optimistic. Um, I believe that I find a lot of hope in the idea of the generationality of struggle. So, you know, and, and Angela Davis um, has a special, a special appearance on the album. Um, she's been an anti-prison activist since, nine, since for 50 years. And she, when I like met her in 2020, said she'd never been more excited than in the current moment for like the future of like anti-prison activism, right? And so I think about the fact that she's in her 70s. She's probably not going to be here to see the end of that fight. And actually, neither will I, frankly. My, my hope I can create the conditions for my son to finish the fight. And so, like, it's, that can be so, kind of sad sounding. But I actually think it's kind of beautiful that, like, today I endeavor to carry on the struggle of the slavery abolitionists and the civil rights and of the Black Panthers and the Young Lords. And they're not here to see me doing it. And maybe no one will remember I even did it, but um, that, yeah, it, that, it's kind of beautiful that it goes on and on. It might be sad to think about it like that. Like, it's, oh, it's going to take us that long to fix all this. But it's like, but we're also not alone in this, not even in the coalitions in our present day. We're also with our ancestors. We're also with our descendants. Like, it, I don't know. I feel like there's something beautiful about that. So I do remain optimistic. I do see a certain sense of beauty in it that like things... I do think things are going to get better. I don't know if I'll be here to see it, but I do. I yeah. I hold on to hope that things are going to get better. Yeah. Well, I think I think that's inspiring, and I, and I really do. And like you know, I'm being a little I'm being a little uh, pessimistic over here, but like I I do I it, I, it will it I I do honestly in my heart believe that it will get better. And the reason I think it will get better, kind of like we've been talking about, is that like uh, uh people like yourself um are doing things to make sure that it does get better because it's not going to get better by itself. And like, you know, just I think, you know, not just um, uh, by what you do, but also by inspiring others to do and to follow in your footstep and to show like, hey, look, I can do this. So why can't you do this? You know, like I think is is a beautiful message and a beautiful thing to kind of uh, put out there. So um, I, I uh, respect you dearly. And I thank you so much, not just for everything you've created, but for everything you've done. And um, this this has been an awesome conversation. If people want to find out more about you, what how can they find you on the uh, Internet and all that good stuff? Yeah, you can find me at Lingua Franca anywhere you get music or tweet your tweets or post your food pics. So that's L-I-N-Q-U-A-F-R-A-N-Q-A. And uh, yeah, um, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, 
TikTok, uh, your nightmares, anywhere you even if you're not trying to find me, I'll be there. Don't worry. I love uh, it. Yeah. I love it. And guys, like uh, listeners, people listening, please uh, check out Bell Ringer. Um, buy it on physical media. Be one of those people. Like, I'm, I'm, that's my new channel. I'm, I'm, I'm bringing back physical media. We're doing there we it. There we go. There we go. Oh, yeah. When, when does this come out, by the way? Just um, So not... Uh, uh, I'm going to leave this in because it's it's like an ongoing joke, which is me trying to do the math of when what date this is. So not not next Monday, but the Monday after. Um, OK, I didn't know if I should shout out that I'm going to be playing some West Coast shows, but I will be back. In you'll Georgia be back by that point. By then, yeah. But uh, yeah, what, it's cool. What is the what it, what is the 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 show's been like? What how how receptive have people been to the music? Yo. It's been incredible. So I'm out, out there opening for Holy Fuck, which is like an experimental electronic band. Graham Walsh from the band mixed my album, but they just got all sorts of bleeps and bloops and craziness going. And then their crowd, like the crowds have been wildly like kind and welcoming and warm and buying lots of vinyl and just couldn't, just never would have thunk it. It's been so dope. But yeah, I'm doing some more shows with them. L.A., San Santa Cruz, Oakland coming up. So that'll be fun. That'll be fun. Yeah. That's awesome. That is awesome. Well, again, um, thank you so much for everything. Thank you for doing this. And, um, you know, if you just want to knock on your neighbor's doors and let them know that from Nate, uh, from Yo, That's My John, uh, thank you for um, the way you guys all voted in 2020. And uh... <laughs> hey, yeah, you hear that, you guys? Yeah, they said, yeah, they said no problem. Oh, that's what's up. That's what's up. Yeah, I needed to get that message out there, down there. But, yeah. um, but again, thank you so much for doing this. And it's been such an awesome conversation. Hell yeah. Thanks for having me. My thanks again to Mariah for joining me today on the podcast. The latest Linka Franca album, Bell Ringer, is available now on your favorite streaming services. And it's also available on vinyl. And you can pick up that vinyl from the Linka Franca Bandcamp page at linkafranca.bandcamp.com. You can follow Linka Franca's music on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Linka Franca. And you can follow Mariah's political endeavors at Mariah for Athens. Links to all of those are in the show notes. If you haven't already, please be sure to subscribe to the Yo That's My John podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. And if you want to try something new, follow us on the Good Pods app. It's like a social network for podcasts, and you can follow friends and see what they're listening to and stuff. It's pretty neat. But they also provide a message board area for each episode of the podcast, so you can talk about what you just listened to. Pretty cool, isn't it? Well, speaking of cool, if you ever wanted to be cool yourself, here's your chance. All you gotta do is earn yourself a super awesome John Scout merit badge for citizenship of the world by rating and reviewing us. Don't forget to visit www.yothatsmyjohn.com for articles, merchandise, and links to all of the previous episodes of this podcast. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash yothatsmyjohn for updates and live streams. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Yo That's My John and search Yo That's My John on YouTube to find the Yo That's My John YouTube channel. Like and subscribe the heck out of that ish. We want to hear from you. Reach out, reach out, and touch some John. Well, that's it for this week. Big shout out to the folks over at Siren Records in Doylestown for allowing me to leave some podcast flyers on the counter in the shop. If you're in the Bucks County area, please be sure to check out Siren for all of your music needs. Their vinyl selection is a thing of beauty. 
All right, y'all. I will catch you on the next spin. Blue skies. Until next time, everybody. Hey, yo, displace the guilt and embrace the pleasure. Your taste in music doesn't have to be... Yo, That's My John is a Lonely Monk production written and produced by yours truly, Nate Runkle. Theme song by Phil Tyler Music featuring Nate 3.0. Special thanks to Fox Run Brands, DX Ferris, Andrew Scott, Natalie Runkle, and the incredibly brilliant and wickedly stunning Katie Daubney. If you or anyone you know has any ideas they would like to share or any guests they would like to hear on the podcast, please feel free to reach out to us at yo that's my john at gmail.com. Or you can leave an audio message for us and possibly hear yourself on a future episode by visiting anchor.fm slash ytmj slash message. Until next time, be sure to displace the guilt and embrace the pleasure and shout to the world, yo, that's my John. <laughs>